Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. You can be seated. I won't take long, I don't think, in teaching or something because we're going to take time to minister to those who want to be ministered to. I. Jesus made this statement in ministering to the sick. He would say this, so be it done unto you according to not according to my power not according to your past but according to your faith. So since this is a faith transaction, faith is simply acting like the word is true. Because it is true. It's believed that what God says is true, and I'm going to act like that. There you go. It's simply acting on the word. Faith is acting on the word. It's acting on the word. It's not about what we feel. It's not about circumstances. It's not about pressures that can be felt. It's about acting on the word. Acting on the word. You'll remember that Jesus was preaching something that no human had ever heard when he started talking about when the evil spirit is cast out of a man. No one knew till this time what happens at that time. And Jesus stood up and revealed and exposed demonic action in the spirit realm. When an evil spirit is cast out of a man, it goes to the dry places seeking rest. What's seeking some place to express itself and finds no rest. Why? Because in dry places, there's no beings to operate through. There's no humans in the dry places. The uninhabited places is what we would call the dry places. And says, so that evil spirit says, I will go back to to my house. And when he comes back, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Yeah. Um, it's, first of all, he's lying about it. It's not his house anymore. Once he's cast out, it's not his house anymore. But that's what he tries to portray to the one he comes back to. His place of belonging. No, it doesn't belong. Things we've been delivered from don't belong anymore. But... Jesus is revealing for the first time. No man knew this. Why is this the first time? Because man didn't have the authority until then to deal with those demons. Under the Old Testament, they didn't have the authority. That's why it wasn't revealed until Jesus came because now the authority was going to be restored that Adam lost. Ed made this statement. uh, Jesus got our saying back for us. So that's why it wasn't revealed to the prophets of old 
because they didn't have the authority to deal with that those demons that Jesus is talking about. I'm not going to talk about demons tonight. In fact, I'm headed to the next statement because that isn't even part of the sermon, but I wanted to say that. The, the spirit realm uh, is being, uh, Satan's realm was being exposed as to his, how he functions against humans. No one's ever heard this before. Ever has it been uttered in man's hearing. And when he says this, a woman in the congregation cries out. And she said, blessed is the woman that nursed you. I'm talking about demon powers who have no place in you. And your response is, your mother must be proud of you. That's, that's equal to what she's saying. Your mother is so blessed to have a son like you. Missed the whole point. And pulled the attention of the hearers over to a natural flow. Amen. Amen. Think of it. That's how Satan works. It sounded like a mother's warm affection, but the devil's using it to diminish what Jesus just said, draw the attention away. And she, oh, your mother must be so proud of you. What a, what a mother, what a son. Took it natural. Heard it and took it natural. Jesus flipped it back. With his response to her, he did not rebuke her. No. Yeah. He was not unkind. No. He didn't go. That was good. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fire didn't shoot out. He said, rather, it, it's not. It's the hearer that's blessed. Blessed are those who hear what I say and do it. So he flipped it back to the flow of the sea. It's hearing what I'm saying because she didn't hear it. An undisciplined thought life. She was just sitting under the word with affection flowing instead of faith flowing. Human affection flowing. And he said, blessed are those who hear and do. So basically he's saying, you're magnifying the woman who gave birth to me. But he's saying, it's not the woman who, it's not just the woman who gave birth to me that's blessed. It's the one who hears and does. Hearing and doing the word uh, is more blessed than, than Mary who gave birth to this son. Yeah. It, yes, thank you, Pastor. It's a more privileged position yes. to hear and do, to hear and do, to hear and do. He said, you're more blessed than the woman who gave birth to him. To hear and do, hear and do, hear and do. So Jesus said, so be it done unto you according to your faith. What is faith? Hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. Hearing and doing. 
hearing and doing, acting. Keep it that simple. Receiving your miracle is simply hearing and doing. Acting on the word. Acting on the word. Treating it like it's true. I, I love the story because it shows how we can get off into mental rabbit trails and complicate things. And Paul talked about that as you be uh, drawn away from the simplicity of the gospel. It's simple. Your miracle is simple. Your healing is simple. Your answer is simple. The plan of God for your life is simple. Just hear and do. Just hear and do. That's it. Act on the word. Act on the word. Act on the word. Act on the word. Just act on what he says apart from feelings, apart from what you've suffered, apart from what's been said. Just act on the word. And it is our privilege to keep it simple. You know, that's where Naaman almost missed it. Naaman the leper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. He was, not a, he was not a Jew. He was not a man with a covenant. But he had in his service a little Jewish gal. And he was, he was a man of, of renown. He was a man, he was, if I could say this, a John Wayne of his generation. You know what I mean by that? He was a man's man. He was a man of war. He was a leader. He was a man with honorable acts. And he served, and, um, but he was a leper. And this little Jewish gal, young, said, oh, that you were where the prophet is, because if you were where the prophet is, you'd, you'd receive your healing. So that sparks his interest. <laughs> and so to make a long story short, he ends up traveling to where this prophet that this little Jewish gal talked about is because healing is linked to the prophet's office. And so he gets to where the prophet is because he needs healing. And um, he goes there, and because he's a man of renown, a man of repute, he's, he's, he's a position high up. And he goes to the prophet's house and the prophet does not even, he knows he's coming. He does not even go to the door to acknowledge him, greet him, say anything to him. He sends his servant. Sends his servant. So like here the servant comes and, you know, cleaning chicken guts off his hand or something, you know. He's serving. He's a, he's a worker in his household. He goes to the door and there's this man of renown, this man of dignity, this man of, of respect. A, a man's man. He's a warrior man. And the servant wiping on his hands on his apron or you know what I'm saying he's, he's serving he's not there eating grapes along with his master he's serving and he answers the door and says he said go dip seven times in the river Jordan shut the door go back to cutting chickens it did not look very impressive it didn't look very Dignified. It, it, what, there was no pomp and circumstance. There was chicken feathers and guts, you know. You do know I'm building that in, but I'm trying to show you. A servant. Just ser- 
a servant could just hear what was said, carry it to the person of need, shut the door and go on about their business. That's how simple. Naaman is put off by the simplicity. That's what tripped him up was the simplicity. He was not treated with any kind of pomp or circumstance. That's too simple. I didn't get the pomp and circumstance. I didn't get recognition. Because it's not recognition he needs. It's healing he needs. Forget about what you're used to and go after what you need. And so he just is put off. Because he, he, was, he wasn't expecting it to be that way. If we're not careful, we paint our, the playing out of our miracle in our imagination. And then we start expecting God to honor that imagination. Who he's going to use, how he's going to work it, how it's going to show up, how dramatic. And we start adding our interpretation to it. And then when it happens as simply as just when you drove up in your car and hit the parking lot, something happened. You go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now remind me where I was there on Naaman. There was a, a, a precious pastor friend of ours and I did not know the story a couple of years ago. I was at his church and we went back to his home to eat dinner after the service and he told me a story I didn't know anything about and I don't think Ed knew anything about it. But um, so he just told me maybe three or four years ago this story for the first time. Ed has been gone for 10 years. Um, He said, Pastor Nancy, he said, before I was a pastor, he served, you know, in his local church. He served under his pastor, but he was also a truck driver of these big rigs. And he said, I was in a storm once and I could, the visibility was so low. And he said, I hit head on with another 18 wheeler. We hit head on. And he talked about the severity of his back. He came out of that a cripple. And he had all kinds of pain. He came out a, a cripple. The recovery process was long. And he ended up on the, on the, on the crutches, the ones where they can uh, put it around the forearm, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's attached to you. It wasn't one under the arms, but they're attached. And he had to have those to move. He came to our, um, he, and I, I'm not sure, I believe he, he had started pastoring in the interim. But he came to one of our conferences there in Marietta, California and uh, attended the conference. And one day Ed had invited, this is when we were at the Hawthorne House. You would have remembered that. You were probably there. And it, he, um, he was, Ed invited all the pastors up to the home for, for lunch one day. And he said, I was so thrilled I was going to Ed Dufresne's house. You know, it's, a, it's an honor to, to get to be in settings like that, right? And I'm not just talking about us. I'm just talking about, as a whole, if you were here to hear Brother Joel talking about the honor of being around Dad Hagen, he'd go mute around him, you know, because there is an honor to it. You understand that. And he had never been there, you know, and he didn't know many of the ministers. So he was just so excited he got invited. 
And so um, the, our house, uh, it, it, there was a hill going up to the house. And so the, the driveway was full with cars, and so people were parking along the sides of the road. And it was a, a little bit of a climb if you were walking it. I mean, it wasn't a slight incline. It was a more dramatic incline. So he had to park down the road a little bit. So he's going up the street on, and it, back then it was a dirt road because it was yes. on acreage. It was yeah. two and a half acres that the home was on. So it was a dirt road. So he's going up there on his crutches. And then our, when our driveway started, that was paved. And um, Ed had planted some shrubs by the entrance, and it, he spelled out Ed Nancy in the shrubs. Like Disneyland. Like Disneyland. So in the shrubs on either side was Ed Nancy spelled out in the shrubs. Yeah, that's... And so um, this man comes up the road and his crutches, he reaches the, the, the paved drive. And the moment his crutches hit the paved drive, the power of God hits him. And he's healed. And he said, I didn't know if you ever found them, but I threw the crutches in the bushes that say Ed Nancy. <laughs> I said, I never heard about it, but I guess the, the, I guess the gardener probably thought somebody just throwing, dumping trash along the road. And, he, and I never knew it. He said, I was so excited. He said, I said, did you come in and tell us? He says, I never went in the house. He said, I was so excited. I, got, I ran back down, got in my car, and drove home to tell my wife I'm healed. And he never came in the house. Does proximity matter? Oh, yes. Yes. It does. Yes. 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 He never expected. In his head, he was in the services, maybe healing there. And no healing manifesting for him in the service. But he's just going about doing his daily life. Miracles show up in the ordinary. Yes, yes, they do thinking there's going to be a platform and a spotlight and, and a choir and an and a orchestra. God will do the most outstanding, amazing things for you just while you're living your ordinary life, diapering the babies, cleaning up the house. The supernatural is not limited to a dramatic setting because the flow of God is simple, simply powerful, simply powerful. So you can be sitting in your chair. Don't think it has to take. Now, I'm not diminishing where it may take place in a, in a predicted setting. But don't limit God to the predicted setting. And this is where Naaman almost missed his miracle because he decided what his miracle manifestation would look like. So... He gets miffed, offended, and he's, forget this, he's taken great effort to get, I don't know how far he's traveled, but he's taken effort to get there, and he is, they're, they're waiting for him, those accompanying him to follow the instruction. He says, I'm not doing that. 
I'm not dipping seven times. First of all, you know, uh, he would have liked his own waters, not the waters of a foreign land. Dirty Jordan, yeah. And there's always a reason why your flesh could step back from the obedience of the instruction. I don't have time. I don't have the money to do what God just said. I, 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 I've got other things going. I can't get to that meeting. You, what, there's always a reason. And the yes. devil will always supply you with something to rob from you. So you, you know the story. He wasn't going to do it. And one of the servants so simply said, Master... He said, if he would have asked something hard of you, you would have done it. Why? Because as a military man fighting for his country, there were hard decisions to be made, hard steps to be taken. There were things that were difficult and weighty with responsibility in his position. So he assumed dealing with God would be the same way. And it's not. Why? Because it's his ability, not ours. As a military man, he had to bring his own ability to his victory. But in God's kingdom, it's God's ability we spend, not our ability. This is called grace. God's ability at work. I love something Dad Hagen said because this is really such a great picture of what it is. Dad Hagen said, before I would go, he says, and now see, we had such a, a respect and a reverence for our spiritual father. Yes. Dad Hagen was that. Yes. And it was an honor to get to be in services. He says, I would walk out into the, the, you know, uh, the, his camp meeting when it would fill a convention center, 12,000 people, and he'd go, I'd walk out and go, well, what are all these people here for? What that, what that shows is how, how simple he kept his part. He did not, he wore his responsibility lightly. He didn't, he didn't walk around under the weight of that thing. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If something is heavy, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. And so Dad Hagen said, there were times, you know, you look out and he said, I would say, Father, there's nothing in Kenneth Hagen to help these people, but there's everything in the God in Kenneth Hagen to help these people. In other words, so I'm turning towards you. That's, the, that's, that's turning toward the grace that's in you. It's not about what you can do. It's about what, his pow- what you give his power permission to do in you and through you, right? So Naaman is used to doing hard, life-threatening challenges, acts as a military man with men's, his decisions, men's, men's lives are in the balance of his decisions. There's weight with that. And he comes and he's dealing with something that is so huge in his life. It's a life and death situation. And God just took it down to simplicity. Dip seven times in water. There's nothing noble. There's nothing heroic in that he's used to doing the heroic. Why? God doesn't give us the heroic to do. Why? Because he's the hero, not us. He's, He's the hero. 
And so this servant who deals with the simple things of everyday life around him said, ah, they recognize his mindset is so elevated because of his position that he can't even grasp the simple things of life anymore. Not that he's doing it wrong. It's just you understand when you're dealing with heroic type decisions, heroic type actions, things that are very demanding, you're going to approach everything that way. And he's saying, bring it back down. This is what the servant did because the servants deal with the simple basic things every day. Clean the clothes, clean the house, get get the food, go harvest, plant the food. They're dealing with the basic simplicity every day. This is what happens many times because we see the need. We elevate the need that it is big because it looks so big to us. We put it way up here, bring it back down. Bring it back down to the simplicity of obedience, the simplicity of just acting on the Word. God does not need your heroic behavior, your your heroic skipping of sleep to pray for hours. Not again, I'm not saying that's bad, but many times people are connecting their miracle with their doing of something heroic rather than the doing of the simplicity of the gospel. I'm so grateful that God's telling us this tonight because I don't have note one on any of this. What's this mean? God is catering it to us in the room. This is our prescription for tonight. And so this servant who's used to dealing with the simple, basic daily duties of life says, if he would have asked something hard of you, you would have done it just because you're, he's a man of vision. He's a man on the front, the front lines. And so because of that, he expected that he had to measure up to God and you don't, he's in you. You don't have to prove yourself worthy of a miracle. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) You don't have to do some noble act to pay some great uh, price that uh, wrenches something out of you. Just keep it simple. What is the simplicity of it? Just act on the word. Do what the Word says. You say, well, what part of the Word? The part that the Holy Ghost spotlights for you. Because the Holy Ghost will tell one person do this, another person do that. So when the servant reminded Naaman, you would have done something honorable and hard if he would have said it, but he gave you something simple, but you won't even do what's simple. And he got it. Because he's been in this elevated flow of responsibility that now God is the doer of it. And all he needs is your simple obedience. And he went and dipped seven times. Nothing happened after one dip. Nothing happened after two dip. Nothing happened after three dip. You know, he's more than a double dipper. He's a seven dipper. And he comes out and how simple. How simple. He comes out and his flesh is clean. How did that happen? I don't know, but all I had to do was get in the flow. 
All I had to do was get in the water. All I had to do was just do what he said. I, just do what he said. But he almost missed his miracle because he was stumbling over the simplicity of what was to, to be obeyed. I'm just telling you, your miracle's not hard. I don't care how complicated your situation may look because, listen, on, on this side of heaven, in, in earth's side, situations can look so complicated. They can look so involved and tangled, but your answer is not complicated. You know what I'm talking about? Let's just talk about finances. Anybody ever had to go through seasons where you're juggling financially? You just juggle. You, you do this, you pay, and then you put it over here, and then you say, okay, I'll pay this back. And, then, and you do that, and you do that for years, and after a time, it just gets tanked. It just... And you, you know that for God to meet that need and unravel all that, there's going to be, have to be a lot into it. And he just says, sow a seed to your pastor. Okay, now I'm going to flip over to Pastor Amy's experience. Uh, Fredonia, New York, I don't know how many years ago. We're having, I'm, I'm doing, it's a morning service, wasn't it? Was it? Okay, so was, did it happen the night service? Okay. Uh, shoot. It went not, didn't know I was preaching. I, did I do good? Okay. Okay, so Ed and I were there doing the services. I always did the mornings and Ed did the night, but we're having the praise and worship portion of the service. While we're doing that, God, say it, God said to her, run. Run. Is that simple? That's simple. Yeah. So she takes off, and, she, and, it, and it's in a way that's not distracting. It's not, you know, drawing the attention to her. Everybody else is worshiping. Everybody's standing. So she runs. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't see you run. I don't know if others noticed that you ran. And she ran. She just ran. I guess ran. Did you run around the whole, whole building or just one yeah, section? Um, yeah, it was a small building. That's true. Because, you know, it's a small building when the pastor says at the first of the service, if we run, we run this way. <laughs> Because if people start going this way, we've got train wrecks. That, so he would give directives on if you're going to flow and move, you have to move to the left. Yeah, it is a one-way street in there. And so she did that. And when she, all she did just, she didn't, she didn't quiver. She didn't, you know, do flips or caught just... Comes back to her seat, and when she got back to her seat, God said, you just ran your new house in. I don't know what all would have had to transpire for that to happen financially, for favor, for getting, I don't know if they got loans, I don't know if it's all, I don't know all the process of that, but her side was run. Simple. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't have to make sense. That's why I said, you, when, I, when we say act on the word, act on the word, he will give one person a scripture to act on. He'll give another person a scripture to act on. One may just be a praise type scripture. Another one may be uh, go home and adjust something. Yes, right, right. 
Yes. One may be correct, correct that relationship uh, with your marriage. Right. Whatever he says to you, your miracle is connected to the simplicity of doing what he says. And the devil wants to make it look hard and lofty because he wants to make it outside your reach in your thinking. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Faith is simply believing that what God says is true and acting like that. So Dad Hagen talked about that they were having a board meeting and um, they, the, the, that local church, I guess, had run into financially tight times. And it wasn't just the pastor who had the final say. It was an entire board in the way that church was set up. And that, Dad Hagen didn't set his ministry up like that later, but that's what he stepped into. Uh, that, that system was already in place. It's yeah. not something he implemented. But the board, he said, one would say, I don't know what we're going to do. Another said, I don't know what we're going to do. And you know, once one says it and another says it, you've just got a big momentum growing of failure. And so they came around and they had all put in their two cents and none of them arrived at, none of them arrived at an answer that would help. Right. And then they, looked at, they, they went around the table and they all said their two cents that ended up at Brother Hagen. said, Brother Hagen, what are we going to do? And he said, well, men, we're just going to act like the word is true. <laughs> and he said you could feel the whole thing just relax and unravel right there. Yeah. When we're just going to act like the word is true. What's that mean? We're we're taking away all our gymnastics, our mental gymnastics, our earnings. We're we're just going to act like the word is true. Even when you, how do you know if you're acting like the word is true? Because you move into rest. If you're not resting, you're not acting like the word is true. Amen. Amen. I'm talking about, and I mean, right here, you can, on the inside of you, you can be so uh, wound up tight. And then you go, wait a minute. The word is true, isn't it? And then just, you can, you can feel it just relax. And up here, you get out of that mental arena and you quit reasoning and doing the mental calculations of how, how, how is this going to happen? When is it going to happen? But the doctor said, stop all of that. How do you know that you're acting like the word is true? You're resting now. I didn't say you're inactive. Your faith is still being active. You're still releasing your faith, but from a place of rest and not from a place of struggle. We're not a desperate people. Even if circumstances and situations around us tell us something different than what God says, we choose to believe. Acting on the word is enough. It's more than enough. Amen. If our bodies feel something different, I don't care. We're not acting on our bodies. We're acting on what he said. We're acting on what he said. We're acting on what he said. Was it you, Pastor Debbie? Was it last night or the night before that someone uh, had died 
Was it, was it you who said that? Uh, you, you, I want to tell, where's that microphone? Where's the microphone? Thank you. I come up, and, and you know what part of what phrase I'm wanting you to tell, yes, right? Yes. There was a missionary that came to our church in the early 80s, and he had this testimony. He was a, a, a what is it, secret police. And, you know, they, they would persecute Christians. They would go and look for them. And, and so they had to go to church um, by the Spirit. Well, his mother was a Christian, and she was a praying woman. So they enter in, and they found uh, some Christians together. So they went to arrest them, and, of course, they all ran. But, you know, this is back, you know, um, sometime where, you know, they had uh, lanterns and stuff. And so the lanterns fell, and the building caught on fire. And this man, the, the secret police, he got burned up, and he died. And they took him to the badly morgue. Badly burned. He got His body badly. Was still yeah. yeah. And so he, he, they took him to the morgue, and he's on the, the, slab. the slab. And his mother came in, and she sat in front of him. And she began to say, you said my son would preach the gospel. You said that he would get born again. You said. And she kept saying that, and the man rose from the dead. And he became a missionary, but she, she sat while he was on that slab, and she just began to say to God, you said to me that he would find life. You said to me. Yeah. And she quoted his promises, and he came, he came back into his body and lived. Now, see, when something looks like it's gone too far, what did he say? You said. You said. You said. We weren't the ones who said that by his stripes I was healed. God said that to us. Why? Because we weren't there to see it, but God was there to perform it. He's, all he's doing is telling us what he, said, what he saw, what happened, what transpired, because we weren't there to see it. Really acting on the word is just believing what he saw. What transpired, what he did that day. Amen. I, your victory is easy as you said. She's looking at something that's impossible, but that doesn't, that doesn't remove what God said. That's exactly how after my husband went home to be with the Lord and there was millions of dollars that was owed immediately and debt and there, was all, there were all kinds of transactions and God would tell me something and when it looked like it was going the wrong way, I said, I, you, it's the truth and no lie. What you said, it's the truth and no lie. It's the truth and no lie. That's what I held to when everything went a different direction. And it always came back to what he said. It always came into line. Not immediately sometimes, but always. Anytime you attach your faith to a calendar or clock, you're going to be disappointed. Because faith is not interested in the calendar and the clock. That's how you know whether you're in faith. Now, go with me to Romans 4.17. And I won't take too long with this, but I wanted these two words were standing out to me when I first came up. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. The King James translation says this. Speaking about Abraham, this is what God said 
in regards to him. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. That's a whole different sermon right there, but we don't have time. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Look at this, according to that which was spoken. According to that which was spoken. According to that which was spoken. Your miracle is all about what has been spoken. Your healing is all about what has been spoken. Not about what you feel. Not about what the doctor said. Not about what has happened through your lineage. Of what your grandfather died of and your father died of and the uncles died of. It has nothing to do with that. It's, it's about according to what was spoken. That's, we're dealing with words. Faith people, we're, we're, our currency is words. Words, 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 words. Faith words. He believed according to that which was spoken. Not according to what was felt. Not according to what was visible. Not according to the calendar. Not according to the clock because none of them agree, none of that agreed with what was spoken. But he had to agree with what was spoken. So shall thy seed be, verse 19. And being not weak in faith. These are the words I'm going after. He considered not. He considered not. He considered not his own body now dead. That woman, she didn't consider her, her son's body dead. That did not factor into whether or not what God said would come to pass. That just gave God a job. Amen. So Abraham considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What's this, what's this mean? He didn't consider what his body told him and he didn't consider what happened to someone else's body. Do not touch in your thought life the, the outcome of other people's lives. Whether did they receive their healing? Did they receive their miracle? Did they receive the money they need? Don't touch it in your thought life because you're not part of the divine transaction that goes on between a man's spirit and the Holy Ghost. You're not included in that. You might think you're included, but you're not. Well, my husband or my wife or my family member, they told me everything and I knew they were believing God. You don't know. What the inner workings of what God had said to them and the inside. You don't know what God was trying to tweak. What God was trying to get their attention about. Do not touch in your thought life what has happened to someone else when you're believing for a miracle. It will weaken your faith. Because you do not know all the components involved in a man's spirit. You don't know. You think you know because of what they might have said to you. But that doesn't mean that what they said was total of what was going on on the inside of them. Consider not. Strong faith considers not. He did not consider his own. And he did not consider his wife's, someone else. That's the skill of faith. That's a skill. And you are released and dismissed from ever having to consider anything of your own. You consider what was spoken. What was spoken. 
What was spoken is our total consideration. How simple is that? How simple is that? How simple? Why? Because if you consider us, we're changing all the time. You consider someone else, they're changing all the time. You consider circumstances, they're changing all the time. God lets you consider one thing that never changes, what he said. And it never changes. When you go to bed, it'll be the same. When you wake up, it'll be the same. You're not going to get a different version of what he said. It's the same version. By his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. Now, don't misunderstand me. This is what's so key when Brother David was talking about Word and Spirit churches because we teach you what is, the, what is the Spirit saying to you. Because you can't just grab your favorite verse and ignore what the Spirit is saying to you. Because we have, to, we have to believe according to what is spoken to us. Spoken in His Word, but spoken to us by His Spirit. Now, uh, my husband, um, he went home to be with the Lord when he was 72. But when he was around 57, 58, somewhere around in there, he had gone. We were at a Dad Hagen meeting, and it was just after a service one night. Dad Hagen had just finished preaching, and it was the three of us in the back room. It was Dad Hagen, my husband, and I. And there was like a bench along the wall, and we were sitting along that bench. So Ed was right next to Dad Hagen. He wasn't in a chair. That means that like their legs were close to touching. And Dad Hagen is sitting there and praying in the spirit, and he leans over and taps my husband on the knee and said, "Laugh your way through it." And we just sit there, ha, 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 ha. And I'm going. <laughs> Ringy dingy, we have our answer for what's ahead. See, it just sounds general, but if you start paying attention, God's giving you the prescription. So three weeks later, uh, Ed had gone in just for a routine type checkup, and they said, you have cancer. And it was something that was pretty advanced working. Uh, not advanced, quick working. And they said it had gone into all his lymph nodes and they, they painted the picture pretty bleak, but basically they said, you've got two years. Ed did not come home and grab his favorite verse. Healing verse. He came home and had to hear what was spoken. What is God saying to me? This is where some people miss it. They, they know what God has said in his word. You need to know that. You need to hold to that. But you can't bypass the specifics of your situation that the Holy Ghost would say to you and try to just override the specifics by holding to the general word of God. The word written to everyone. You have yes. to know the specifics because the Holy Ghost is your helper. What's he trying to get you, what's he trying to help you with into, into your victory? Yeah. Into receiving. Yes. Yes. So that's why we pay attention to him because he knows how to get from where we're at to the fulfillment of our, of our inheritance. Amen. Amen. Yes. And we can't decide. Now see, Naaman almost missed this because he decided how that would look like. But he heard specifically just dip seven times. He wasn't thinking of that. And that's where he almost missed it because he did not like the specifics of what he was hearing. So <clears throat> my husband goes home and he said to God, he said, God, I've mi- you don't ever miss it. I've missed it somewhere. Where did I miss it? 
And God said two things. I've told you to rest your body and you do it for a short time. Then you go back to your old habits and you don't rest properly. Number one, you don't rest your body. Number two, I tell you to say things under that prophet's office and you don't say it. So there are those two things. And Ed said, okay, I repent. Just like what Brother Joel and yeah. Pastor Amy were talking yeah. about this morning, the simplicity yeah. of repentance. It's not a, you don't have to go through a long labored self uh, loathing. I missed it again. Oh my God. And get into a hole. Now you got to crawl back out of that hole over time and, and go through that old process, that old mental process of trying to feel good about the old man. Trying to dress up the old man, make him look good and feel good. Put him off. Put him off. Put off the old man. Don't try to dress up the old man by loathing, oh God, I'm so sorry. Oh, I deserve failure. Defeat. Seriously, people, sometimes they love the persecution complex. Anyway, so Ed said, okay. God said two places. You miss He said, okay, I judge myself. I repent for that. And just as soon as he said, and as soon as he said that, God said to him, okay, I forgive you. He said in 28 days, it'll all be gone. He went back, excuse me, 30 days. He said, then 30 days, it'll all be gone. Ed went back on day 28 and it was all gone. The doctor said, somebody up there likes you. <laughs> no, all he did, he did according to what was spoken. What was spoken. He had to hear what was spoken. If God hasn't said anything to you, what was spoken, then just grab that healing yes. verses in the Bible and because he's already spoken that. But to... He, those are his general words to everyone. But you can't set aside, you can't hold to just general if there's more specific directions. Because Ed could have just taken healing verses and just kept throwing them and throwing them. But until he corrected those two things of what was spoken, there's not going to be the outcome. Abraham believed according to what was spoken and he didn't consider anything else. Don't add your own list. To what God, what the Spirit speaks right, to you. Because right. you get in that mental arena, the devil will give you 94 reasons why you're disqualified from healing. He surely will. You do not mentally evaluate what you need to correct. You shut down your mind and you turn to your spirit and say, Spirit, what if, if I need to... You know what this is? If any man likes wisdom, let him ask. That's what this is. You need the wisdom of God of what is my answer in the face of this thing threatening me. So it's not just taking healing verses and throwing it at. The first thing I do when I'm faced with the test is I check inward. What's the Spirit saying to me? Because He may direct me to just a healing verse or a prosperity verse. That is according to what was spoken. I let the Spirit illuminate one to me. I don't just just randomly pick one. I need something the Spirit breathed life into for me. So He considered not. Amen. He considered not. This is the skill of faith. Just act on the word. Consider not. 
Act on the word. Consider not what's against you. Act on the word. Consider not what you feel. Get your eyes off this realm. That's what it's talking about. Get your eyes off the seen realm. Amen. How does someone weaken their faith? They consider what they ought not touch in their thought life. It will weaken our faith if we do that. To keep our faith strong, we have to keep our attention on the right thing because where your attention goes affects your faith. Amen. So when we say consider not, what do these words mean? It means don't think about it. It means don't touch it in your thought life. Don't turn it over and play out scenarios in your head. Don't touch it in your thought life. Don't touch it in your thought life. Just act on the word. What has he said to you? You know that woman had a lot to touch in her thought life as she, wa- as she saw her son's, her son's body dead, but not only that, badly burned. There was a lot to see. Can't touch it. Consider not. What's she considering? God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. God, you said. That's what thrills God because that's faith. God, you said instead of I see, I feel. Praise the Lord. Um, Sister Lillian B. Yeomans, who was a medical doctor, she was raised up off of her deathbed. And then she went to preaching divine healing. She quit her medical practice uh, and, and, and went to preaching divine healing. She said this about these two words, Consider not. They are blessed words. They are an unfailing refuge from the fiery darts. What is she talking about? When you're faced with a test, there are fiery darts to try to get your attention, but you're already authorized. Don't think about it. Don't touch it. That's a refuge from those fiery darts. I'm authorized to never worry again. I'm authorized to never be afraid again. I'm authorized to never panic again. I'm authorized that I don't have to figure out my answer. I'm authorized to live simple. I just do what he says. I just do what he says to me. That's it. That's it. That's it. I don't, it's not about hearing a voice of what he says. It's what, what in here is, does he seem to be dealing with you about? Well, he seems to be dealing with me about, you know, making, you know, the, the way my husband and I have been, you know, t- um, interacting with one another. There's strife in there. You know, I know that. But I'm talking about my body. Yeah, so is he. Those dealings are talking about the same thing your need is saying to you. Because we think they're unattached because they're two different arenas. But anything that God says is never unattached from what belongs to you in Christ. So Sister Yeoman said this, consider not our blessed words. They are an unfailing refuge from the fiery darts. They are a heavenly atmosphere where no germ or disease can survive for the fraction of a second when you consider not. Listen to this. Do not accord to the physical symptoms, a passing thought. How many times uh, thoughts of our bodies have frightened us? Made us, uh, I, I don't, I, I just, you know, they're, they're, they're calling for me to make decisions about my body. The doctor is saying, I have to, uh, and then you get worked up. You're authorized. 
to not be worked up about that. All you have to do is follow what seems right to you. That's it. So she says, do not accord to the physical symptoms a passing thought. Refuse to take them into your calculations. Listen to this. If you consider your own body paying attention to the symptoms, that's why they persist. Because what you're putting your attention on is what you're feeding. And you feed something and it keeps living. As long as you consider them, they will persist. People don't realize that healing many times just as easy as saying, I'm done noticing you. I'm done noticing the ten- I'm done noticing the symptoms. What am I noticing? What he said. What he said. If you're going to consider not the wrong thing, you have to consider the right thing. Healing and confessing the word is not about in, in this faith life, we've learned, don't say wrong words. We've learned that. That's a good thing to learn. Good thing. So many times we think not saying the wrong thing is enough. It's not just not saying the wrong thing, but it's saying the right thing. Leave the wrong thing unsaid, but say the right thing. And some people, they've just, I, I don't talk about my sickness. I don't talk about the symptoms. That's good. But what are you saying? Like, the, like this, this mama, God, you said, you said to consider not your mouth is full of what God said so that you won't consider what opposition is saying. Are you helped tonight? This is where we live. This is where the rubber meets the road. When you walk out of the building, this is where you're going to have to live. We always endeavor to minister to you what you need to live on every day. Amen. This is what you need to live on every day. Skillful with considering not what is trying to get your attention and uh, holding to what God says to you. Amen. Send with me to your feet tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.